Welcome to Six in the Mix. A band of brothers talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. Welcome to episode 30 of Six in the Mix. We have just the five of us today. Again, Ethan is going through some transitions, which we're excited to have him on and share about uh, in a couple episodes, uh, but be uh, be in prayer for him. Uh, as a reminder, please drop comments and topic suggestions on our Facebook page, Six in the Mix Podcast. We are also dropping our videos there as well uh, on our Twitter page at Six in the Mix Pod. And now you can find us on YouTube as well with the video option. Uh, this week, uh, we'll be uh, starting off week that was uh jeremy's going to lead us in a discussion on cancel culture don's got a new initials game geared up calling your shots going to focus on baseball feel good story of the week and then we'll close out with fix your eyes so gentlemen as we open up episode 30 uh the week that was covid surges question mark court packing or should i say unpacking the chauvin the derek chauvin trial uh the dante wright shooting or gout which of these topics would you guys like to discuss did you say gout gout let's do gout for two yeah gout yeah i'm on i'm on day this is day five of gout for me (laughs) gout hey gout is a it's like the crystallizing of your ankles. Yes, it? yes. It's yeah. There's yeah, yes. Yeah, so, so the body has got uh, I think purines. I'm probably not saying it right, but it's a chemical that the kidneys break down and it breaks it down into uric acid. And if you're not able to get the uric acid out, it can deposit and form into crystals in the joints, typically in the big toe. And uh, I may have had this before, but I've never had it like I had it. And of course, being an idiot, I, you know, Tuesday, I get the pain in the foot and I'm at work and I'm still doing what I do. And I'm just hobbling around like a, like a gimp. I, I go home Tuesday night. I got it propped up. Casey's like, yeah, Matt, you need to go get it checked out tonight. I said, nah, just do self-care and ice elevate. I'll be cool. In the morning, I went into work and it was an all-day leadership team meeting. So I didn't have to do like a whole lot of walk-in, thankfully. So I, I'm icing and elevating it. Guys, by the end of the day, they had to wheelchair me out. I could not even walk out of my own factory. So I'm the safety health and environmental manager, and I'm getting wheelchaired from the conference room all the way out to my car. I hope they took videos of oh, yeah, that. There's, oh, yeah. There, there's video of that, I'm sure i'm sure they're that's getting queued up but uh yeah i i'm telling you what i went in and i got this guy got seen i got a shot that night and it's and it's been it's been up and down like it's been a little bit better over the weekend but man i tell you what like it's to it was to the point where i'm sitting on the couch i'm laying on the couch and i'm like would it be better to just go to the bathroom on the couch and have Casey clean the couch cushions or do I dare try to walk the 10 feet to the, the, the bathroom? Like literally it was, and that was literally like a challenge, a mental challenge in my mind. Like, man, gout is no joke. And so there, I was trying to eat better, healthier. You guys know I'm trying to lose some weight, but uh, I got to make some different changes in that. And uh, I found out, you know, it, it is hereditary. So it has been in my, on my mom's side. Uh, I've had uh, my grandfather and one of my uncles who I talked to this weekend uh, it, it deals with it as well. But man, I do not wish that that's the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Jeremy, have you, have you gone through that or how do you know about it? Well, I know about it because it's in our, in my um, lineage as well. My dad struggled with it all the time Oh boy! and in his fifties. So I'm counting down. I'm like, okay, I got, you know, I got seven years. I'm good. 
but uh, it looks like you got struck first. Yeah, I know it's painful because I've watched him and he I'm just telling he could not like flex his ankle. It attacked him in his ankle. Wow. So there was no movement. I mean, yeah. it was and it just swelled, swelled, you know, was swollen. Yep. It looked like he had rocked his ankle playing basketball and it was just gout. So he 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 would either get medicine or like a steroid or something. I don't remember what it was. Yep. Some anti-inflammatories, and they're just like, you, you gotta drink water. You just gotta crush the water. Yep. So yeah, and it's it sounds like there's different triggers for people and then different things that work. So um, yeah, if any of the listenership does struggle with gout, they'd be happy to reach out to me and I'll we can uh empathize together or sympathize or whatever the right word is. But uh yeah, drink a lot of water, gentlemen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you don't want gout. And I did find out gout hits men ninety percent of the time and only women ten percent. So it's something that we deal with more. So uh Anyway, worst pain I've ever felt in my life. I'm glad that's in the news. That was great. Yeah. So anyway, what what, what else about the week that was? Oh, my God. 15 minutes away from the uh, Brooklyn Center Police Department. Hmm. Um, and thankfully, it's been um, it's been pretty good. I mean, I can't I, I was expecting worse. And it's uh, um, I think Friday night it got a little hairy. But um, uh, the Brooklyn Park or I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Center uh, mayor's not the brightest bulb in the in the in the tool shed, but, uh, boy, he, uh, he didn't enforce or he didn't uh, impose a curfew on Friday night. And then on like at 10 30, they, they announced one to be done at, at 11 o'clock and then they enforced it and they'd had like a hundred arrests. Uh, but that was because they were starting to tear down or, or try to breach some of the, uh, the gates into, into the, into the, uh, precinct. Um, but, other than that, I mean, Saturday night was another, um, you know, night of protest. But uh, for the most part, it's been, um, you know, once they enforce the curfew, they, they, they're enforcing the curfew. Um, things are get under control. So that's been, I've been. And just to be clear, police are enforcing the curfew, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's ironic, isn't it? Oh. So, yeah, it does work, apparently. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they've been, um, it's been. Uh, but of course, we've got uh, next week. I mean, now the of course the uh, uh, National Guard was already already in town for the Chauvin trial, so they right. were um, tapping into that resource already with the uh, with with the Brooklyn Center Police Precinct. Um, and so now we've got um, the Chauvin trial taking center stage uh, tomorrow with closing argue, or closing statements on Monday. They'll sequester the jury and. Uh, then we'll await a verdict. So uh, it'll be another interesting week. I know that they've already closed down some schools here in Minneapolis on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, I believe, wow. um, anticipating Whoa. the worst. So um, we'll see what happens. It'll be an interesting, uh, interesting week. Wow. Did I understand it correctly that the defense um, of of in the case only presented for two days and the, the prosecution was much longer. Is that accurate? Yeah. So they feel they, they, that means they feel pretty good that their guy is not guilty of what he's being charged. Is that, is that, is that the general feeling right now up there? Well, they have to, all they have to prove is reasonable doubt. I mean, they don't have to prove he did it. He, you know, what he did was they just have to prove beyond reasonable doubt that, you know, there's anything there. And, and there's three charges. He's on the second degree murder charge, a third degree murder charge, and then manslaughter, a secondary manslaughter. And uh, um, if I was a betting man, I would say he, uh, he would, he's going to get uh, the, 
the manslaughter charge, which is a 10 years and a $20,000 max fine. Um, And but the murder charges are going to be harder to prove. And and I don't know if uh, the state did a good enough job in trying to uh, uh, prove that especially beyond a reasonable doubt. I mean, it was, it's, uh, and I, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but that's, that's uh, assuming he's going to get a, a, a fair trial. You know, I mean, these it's, it's hard. It's, it's such, it's going to be crazy. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. I called and talked to my brother too. He lives actually lives in Brooklyn center. He's about a mile away from the, the police precinct too. And uh, he said he can hear things when they go on down there, but thankfully they've not, you know, he's tucked back a little bit in his neighborhood, but uh, yeah, certainly a challenging time. All eyes kind of on Minneapolis now, um, you know, this, this week. So yeah. Is it, are you living in the bunker down or what? You know, I poke my head out every once in a while. So I think, uh, I think, uh, but this week for sure, there'll be a, there'll be a clear path to the bunker. Wow. You know, with all that's going on in our country right now, I was just thinking about this. If any of you have job concerns that you might lose your job, I think, I think national guard work is really in demand these days. So if you're looking for other, other work, that, that, that course seems to be pretty popular across the country, whether it's DC or Minneapolis, you probably get a job. So what's the actual age limit with that, Ryan, do you know, to enter the national guard, isn't there, isn't there a, you know, you're too old status at some point. Well, yeah, I think I, you definitely have to be gout free. I don't yeah, think you can. That's I think number that's one true. priority. That's true. No, one I'm good out. then. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a job where you you can be you can be older. Um, I, I just actually, don't, don't I actually looked at I actually looked that that stat up for border security or a border agent. And 40 is the actual cutoff. You have to, you have to apply. I think it's like just like a couple months before. And if you go through the process or whatever, and they accept your application or whatever, but you have to, it's right, right at that, at that point. And uh, I, because of all the, you know, a couple months ago, I was looking at some of the stuff of, you know, these, these border agents are going crazy. They're, they're not allowed, not allowed to talk. They're under all the kinds of stress. What in the world? And I'm thinking, I wonder, I wonder what, you know, age, level you have to be to even get a job or what's the age cutoff. And uh, I was surprised by that four years old. So were you thinking about heading back to AZ to minister down there? Well, I I have some family that's been part of that in the U S marshals and other things. So I, you know, I've got a little bit of interest there just because of their safety and just, just because they're my family. Right. So, and they live right on a border town. So, um, and it is it is as crazy and times a hundred as they say. It's it is nuts, just nuts. So, anyway, yeah, that's a part of the news that was as well. Yeah, don't worry, Jeremy. I, I hear there's a uh, a press conference coming with our uh, our VP is gonna really. She's got yeah, like uh, any 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 time now, any time now. Just just hang tight. Just had to be hang 20, tight. Yeah, twenty some days. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff's happening. So like the stuff's changing. So like. They can't really get, you know, it's too much happening at once. So, but hang tight. It's, it's, it's coming. Okay. It's coming. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I guess I'll wait a few more weeks. <laughs> That's, hey, and if a national guard uh, doesn't work out there, Jeremy, maybe you could uh, be a Supreme, uh, a Supreme justice or a Supreme court justice. Yeah. It sounds like there'll be multiple openings here in the near future for that. 
Great. Hey, just to let you guys know, I'm, I planted almost my, my whole garden. I've got enough food for all of us. So I'll, just the problem is distribution. So anyway, if we need, if we need some more bunker space, we've got to get one built for me and then we can, you know, eat off my land. It'll be great. How much of the, how much of that Pinto's pizza do you got stored up in your freezer? <laughs> Paco's. Paco's? Is it Paco's pizza? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that... I, I don't have any right now, actually. Yeah, it sounds like he's tough to head pizza. It is tough really to hard to get. I thought it was Poco. Poco, that's right. It is Poco. <laughs> Paco, Poco, Pinto. Yeah, Jeremy's got the number. We're good. I have a feeling I'm <laughs> never going to see a pizza from there. On, have faith, brother. Coming. Have faith. I've got my VP on it. She's going to hold a news conference soon. <laughs> circle back. Circle back. Circle back. <laughs> oh, boy. Any other uh, any other thoughts on the week that was, gentlemen? I think the highlight for me was hearing um, our new rookie for the Timberwolves get questioned about Alex Rodriguez, and he had no idea who he was. <laughs> he's like Alex Rodriguez. I don't know. I I heard he's our new owner, but I don't know anything about baseball. I don't know who that guy was. <laughs> that was great. It wasn't that long ago. A Rod was playing, was it? Oh, he had to be a he had to still be a teenager, right? Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't too long ago. I don't know. Maybe that's a good question. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. I mean, yeah, Edwards is what nineteen right now, maybe. And A Rod, yeah, I I have to think he was playing at least back in twenty sixteen. But maybe maybe the time is flying by me too too quickly here. But that that was pretty funny. (laughs) So he'll be on the trading block pretty soon. (laughs) All right. Sure, boat out. See ya. <laughs> right. Uh, that's good stuff. All right, Jeremy, why don't you uh, take it away? Hey, it was April 8th, 1974. Hank Aaron, an African-American Major League Baseball player, was about to make history hitting his 715th home run to surpass none other than Babe, Babe, Babe Ruth. The first pitch, as I watched it on YouTube, was in the dirt. It was a ball. I think it was the second pitch that uh, he swung at and just smashed. And, of course, it left the stadium, went into the seats. And, uh, of course, the announcers, as I watched, and I had never watched this uh, except when uh, this whole Atlanta thing and the Major League Baseball uh, scenario was was blowing up a couple weeks ago. Uh, this was, of course, all over the place. And so I, I just sat in my office one afternoon, and I, I thought, I'll watch this a piece of history and I'll, I'll do that. The announcers go crazy. The fans were on their feet, cheering, giving accolades. I mean, it was just a tremendous thing. He rounds the bases, right? He's, he's running the bases. And can you imagine today with all the security problems and other things, there were two white males that rounded the bases with him, right? And they were patting him on the back, running, and their smiles. It is just an amazing thing to me that sports at some point back in our past was like that. It was pure sports. You just cheered because the guy did something amazing. Mm. If I go back to quote Brett Favre, I think over the last couple of weeks, he just said, I just want to watch sports. Amen to that, man. So the team meets him 
at home base, he steps on home plate and immediately walks over and, and uh, greets his, what I think are his family, his mother and others that, that had gathered there and was waving. And, and they, of course, were emotional. And the, the whole thing was just, it to me was just, uh, it, it was an amazing moment. I actually sat in my office and I was, I was, you know, to the point of tears in my eyes, just thinking, what an accomplishment! Not only of of hitting this this you know home run and just being in that that kind of form for that long to be able to accomplish that, but to share it with your family and all of the fans, uh, where where race and color just kind of faded away in the moment, and it was just amazing. Here's one other thing that I couldn't believe: as he hits the home run, right, the ball goes in the stands, it's returned to him. You see in the video, this guy comes back, he hands him the ball, gives it to to uh, Aaron, and he's he's waving it up, and, and he's he's got it in his hand. Where would that happen today, right? I mean, the ball gets hit. That is worth millions, right? You're keeping that as a memento. It's not coming back to you. I watched this moment on YouTube, and I literally was emotional for um, a couple of minutes and just sat there and thought, this is sports. This is what it's meant to be. It's meant to, to do these great things, knowing that you have talent, but also a team behind you, coaches that have poured into you, all these things. That, to me, was sports. And then we have this ridiculousness that happens today. So instead of just the unbelievable moment and the all the accolades that all these players have played their entire lives for, trained, practice, put in all those hours, it's reversed. And everybody takes a minute to take on uh, a platform that honestly probably does not belong to them. So to say it bluntly, I don't think we live in the world of Hank Aaron anymore. We, catch, uh, we can't watch sports without politics or race or some cancel culture garbage or voice that invades our televisions, just comes and speaks of things we don't want to hear about. We just want to watch sports. We want to see it as pure as it can be. So recently, Major League Baseball obviously decided to take the all-star game out of Atlanta which I think ironically Hank Aaron hit that home run. I believe it was in Atlanta Mm. because they want the platform to quote unquote, speak out and be heard. And I say, okay, speak, but don't rob all the people in Atlanta and all those players and everybody who wants it there to go somewhere else that has similar laws that you are trying to run from. What a joke. They used it as a tool and they are using it as a tool to influence people and to basically validate their own culture. I just want to ask the question, can't we just watch sports anymore? Is that gone? And I'm going to answer my own question and say, it's gone. There's no way we can do this. We can't come back from this. Um, And somehow, some way, there's going to be something tied uh, to all the athletics we watch. And the sad thing is it's creeping down lower and lower. It's getting into not only the college athletics, it's very much present in the high school stuff. And my goodness, to even uh, take and rob the elementary or younger junior age kids in this kind of culture is just absolutely an atrocity. So 
I'd like to go around the horn. And because it's baseball, I'm going to start with Ryan. And uh, I just, I'm not going to ask a question of, of, of uh, anything in particular. I just kind of want to know your thoughts uh, and, and your feelings about what, what Major League Baseball has done uh, in comparison to uh, maybe what they should have done. Or just give me your thoughts. Ryan, we'll start with you. Jeremy, you said it right. They left the state of Georgia because of what they deemed to be voter uh, laws that were passed by the state, legitimately passed, uh, because in this past year of the pandemic, they loosened things up, as many states did. And I think what happened was there were a lot of rumors that started going wrong that were just false. Um, and, and people, as you got higher and higher into politics, all the way up to President Biden, they were promoting these lies and pressuring Major League Baseball. People like Stacey Abrams um, and Joe Biden on the political side were pressuring Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. And when you've got a lot of weight, especially if you're the president of the United States, and if you can make a case, whether it's legitimate or not, that there's a race issue at play here in this current time period that we live in, you know what the result's going to be. Jeremy, you said it. Uh, well, I don't think we're going back. So to me, the frustrating part is a lot of what they were outcrying about was false. These were legitimate policy updates to kind of tighten up what they allowed during the pandemic. I mean, it should tell you one thing. If Biden says, these laws are un-American and Trump says these laws are too weak. They must have found something right in the middle, a balance point that were legitimate in terms of the updates that they had to make. And I think at the heart of the issue is a concern on, on the right side politically that you have to have an ID to vote. And, and this law does that. And for whatever reason, I don't know why anybody would, would not want to have an ID to vote. Um, but uh, for everything you need an ID for in this world, obviously you should have an ID to vote in, in this in this duty that we have as citizens. Um, it's one of our unique privileges as citizens. So when they're throwing out terms like Jim Crow, I mean, come on. I mean, as Biden would say, come on, man, this is ridiculous. <laughs> It's it, it just based on uh, what, what's that uh, that movie? You sit on a throne of lies. Is that um, is that Elf? Yes. <laughs> to quote the, quote the great prophet Elf, <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies, and that's what this was. So, and, and the fact that Major League Baseball can just up and at them and ditch the state of Georgia, and who pays for it the most? Those businesses in that area that were going to make a lot of money during that weekend. So you, you're you're really putting that problem now on the shoulders of of these businesses that is, no doubt have already been severely limited by the pandemic so i feel really badly for the state of georgia i, I lived there for a few years as you, as you all probably know and uh it's just it's just a sad situation and it's just going to make other states reconsider oh can this be twisted racially if so we've got to be on on very cautious footing here and uh, to me it's a very disturbing trend so jeremy i hope you're wrong it was a terrible decision terrible precedent to be set and what we saw there in Georgia because of a policy disagreement. I mean, I, I've just, I've, I've not seen anything like this um, since I've been alive. So I'll, I'll just say one last thing. How about we remove all of our dealings with China since they're known human rights abusers and we cut off all dealings with China, but do we ever hear anything about that? 
We don't. No, no, we don't. We're not going to. And, yeah, and, and, I, I, and, and why, why, don't, why don't we have why don't we have an outcry from our professional athletes to say we're not going to go to New York because their governor killed a bunch of senior citizens because of his ridiculous coronavirus policies. That was murder. Clear, clear and plain. We're not going to do anything in New York. Do you hear that? Well, behind all of this, there's a spirit of the age, as, as, as our friend Steve Dace would say. There's a spirit of the age. Satan's behind all of this, right? It, it, these lies that get perpetuated and stoking chaos and animosity, um, we know the ultimate source of that. So it's, it's just sad to see. And Jeremy, you, you may be right. Hey, I don't know if you guys caught this, but during that whole, you know, debacle, we're going to leave Atlanta. Our our governor, or actually mayor of Milwaukee, was was suggesting, hey, come here, come here. You know, I mean, like at the expense of all those poor business owners and everybody in Atlanta who wanted this and who had been planning for a long time. And now they're, pull, you know, polling places. Well, who's going to be the best? What's going to be the best fit? And I think it was racially, you know, uh, driven in some of those, some of those questions and answers and just, just unbelievable. Uh, Matt, how about you? Weigh in on this for us. Yeah, just, just a couple quick points. I I think it's fair to point out, and I think Ryan, you alluded to it too, that there was, you know, Trump, you know, was trying to uh, say that things happen in Georgia that, in the end, didn't turn out to come out either. So it's it's not like it's just the the left or the 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 left the liberals that are taking stuff out of context. Again, I think Trump was pushing in areas because he was he was on the losing end. Um, but this is this is a whole nother level. Um, and I think for me, what's concerning is obviously Major League Baseball. They're a whole entity, but all the other corporations that went along with this too. Uh, it's just for for me, it uh, it comes down to you know where where is a Gideon. You know, where, where's a Daniel, where's, where's a Joshua that's going to stand up a Caleb that's going to stand up and say, no, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to go along with that. And unfortunately I think people are too, too scared of this. Um, but I, I think we need to, we need to gird up our loins as it were, as the old King James says, and be prepared for this. Cause this is coming, this is at our doorstep now. Um, and it's, it's, it's concerning to me. Yeah. I, I work for a larger corporation. Uh, thankfully they haven't gone as far as like the Coca-Colas and other things, uh, have gone and I, I I I don't believe they will necessarily, but they certainly could. Um, and it's just it's just concerning how they bow to whatever narrative, whatever message that um, whoever's in charge wants to do. And really, the the left, uh, and they don't really they don't really bow to the right. They bow to the the the, the liberal left, and that's uh, it's very very concerning because it is it's built on a, a heap of lies. Ben, how about you? I know you're a baseball fan and you love the game. Uh, did this disturb you and and ruffle your feathers as far as this is concerned? Yeah, I think one of the comments you made initially that really resonates with me is I, you know, I think a lot of people, at least at one point, they used to just go to the games to kind of get away from everything else. And now mm-hmm. it just seems like yeah. all of those things of everyday life and the and the tumult that's out there it just follows you right into the arena or right into the ball field or wherever you're going which is i think there's some sad to me there's a little bit of sadness to that that we're losing um maybe some of the last few <laughs> escapes that we have from the the everyday pressures and everything going on i think you know i guess a few things that are in my mind, maybe not specifically connected to this, but like last week was um, Jackie Robinson day, right? In major league baseball, everybody wears the 42. And I think that's, I, I think that's so cool when I've, um, you know, read a, read a couple books or watched the movie about Jackie Robinson and, and you alluded to Hank Aaron, you know, the, the things that they had to overcome during that particular time in history, when they were 
coming into major league baseball and, and they, you know, the, I mean, Hank, that moment with Hank Aaron was awesome, but some of the weeks and, and months even leading up to that, when he was getting closer to the record, the harassment and threats and things that came after him, um, you know, just unconscionable, really. Yeah, it's right. just unacceptable right. um, the way that those uh, gentlemen were treated when they were getting into baseball and finding success. And that success really rubbed some people the wrong way. I don't know that any of that directly <laughs> correlates to this, because I think to me, I, I see some separation there. But I guess for me, just the thing that I keep coming back to is I just wish that there was that opportunity for sports to be a little more of that escape and just something people can go and, and enjoy and do and something that builds community that brings people together and isn't a catalyst for creating more division. You know, I, what, I mean, I, I am in kind of sports and recreation for a career and for us, it's all about bringing that community together. It's people of all walks of life coming together to play on a team or participate in something or just have some fun playing together. And, you know, while Major League Baseball is obviously a much higher level than than what happens at a community level, but I still think there's some of that, you know, especially you think of baseball, there's guys on those teams that speak different languages and they're from all over the world these days, just about playing baseball. And why can't it be more of a, a catalyst for bringing people together and that you know I, I wish that that was a possibility but sadly i think you're right that that though that ship has sailed i i don't think that some of those things will, will be able to put that toothpaste back in the tube i think that's out now and we're just gonna have to deal with it as it goes yeah don your thoughts yeah, I was really disappointed in Major League Baseball. And it's ironic, Jeremy, that you mentioned Hank Aaron <clears throat> because uh, they were actually going to commemorate that home run right. uh, at the beginning uh, before the All-Star Game since it was going to be hosted in Atlanta. Yes. Uh, I don't know what their plans are for that now. I mean, it's it's a shame. They, you know, they they rob, uh, the, rob the uh, Hank Aaron family of that, of that moment. Um, I also think it's a shame because I have a daughter who's heavily invested in baseball she loves it we were just down in florida for for spring training we for to watch some twins baseball we enjoyed our time we loved every minute of it and then we come back home and and we get the key season kicked off and then and then this and 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 uh, the moment of silences before the uh, the twins game i think was a couple well, with uh with the dante wright shooting um just i mean just crazy stuff that that you just can't get away from and I'm thinking to myself, my daughter is never going to be able to know or be able to know. She does know what it was like to watch sports before it was politicized. But going forward now, she's getting robbed of that. And that that's kills me. I mean, I've noticed a change in her just in the fact that she's not pining to watch games. Um, and it's nothing I've done or anything I've encouraged her not to do or to do. Um, but um, I've noticed yeah, it's she's a direct of, result of this. Yeah, she just kind of separated herself from it. She's getting it from all uh, places. She's getting it back at school. She's tomorrow. She's got to go to school and they're doing a walkout at one o'clock. She's got, she's going to stay in her seat. You know, for wow. for the for the Chauvin trial or and the Dante Wright thing, mm. so I mean, it's, it's 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 like she can't get away from it. She can't watch a baseball game. She certainly can't watch an NBA game. She used to we used to love watching the T Wolves, but obviously that's that's I mean that's a that's a big hot mess. And now it's you know what what do we do? You know, so it's it's a sad sad time sad time definitely and sad to say I'll probably 
I mean, <laughs> when I heard uh, a Rodriguez uh, uh, buying the Timberwolves, I guess I wouldn't be too uh, too uh, hard hard up or or upset if he took him and took him and moved him to Seattle. Well, wow. you know. I, I think we all are, are talking about the innocence of athletics and the fact that 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 pure competition and and the and, and just the the motives of players to just go after a win is is you know gone or at least it's painted and it it, it makes them fight or to compete or whatever in an arena that I don't think they ever bargained for um, when they started playing the game and you guys all have played athletics you're good in your own sports uh, much better than than I would ever dream to be but as we played athletics it was because we loved the game and, and we enjoyed the game and the competition was there just to, to you know, enhance that. Um, what tears that down is what we're seeing in our culture today. And, and I think Major League Baseball is just another casualty. And I think there are going to be more casualties as they come in. And the sad truth is we can't have a funeral service for that because it's just going to perpetually be up there. The, the monsters are too big. The uh, corporations are have too much money and it's just going to it's just going to continue. And uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, interesting topic. It is a hot topic of today and just, I think, uh, has caught major fire from all sides. Um, but um, I hope, I hope just like Brett Favre said, with what at some point, can we just go back and watch the game? And maybe we'll have to do that with our televisions on mute and we are going to have to commentate, color commentate all the games so that we can just have a great time and hey, not worry about all that. Jeremy, I, yeah. I saw an article this week that I think it was Amazon, one of the, one of the um, kind of side, um, uh, services that does TV was putting in their next, I think it's the NFL, their next NFL bid that they were going to have multiple streams. And one of them was going to be no announcers. It was just going to be the stream of the game. Cause I think there's probably demand out there for it. We'd rather just watch it, you know? And I guess the last thing I would say, you know, I, I, at least for me, I'm not trying to diminish the importance of some of these issues, right? I mean, I, I think some of the, you know, uh, social justice, our, our political persuasions, I mean, those are all things that we have strong, can have strong feelings about or strong beliefs in, right? But to me, it's just, I, I wish that we weren't, it didn't have to bleed into everything now. And we, we are losing those escape mechanisms and community building mechanisms that are out there. You know, I think, I think obviously these issues all have a time and a place where it's important to have these conversations. Those are important things to have, but um, it'd be nice to have the options out there that you could go and do something and get away from it for a little bit and, and really just cheer for your team. Like we, like I've, at least my childhood remembrance is I used to be able to do that and it's harder to do now. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that just shocked me when I first came to Minnesota, walked up to the second floor of that guy's dorm and that tiny little television up there that had ESPN 
and everybody was watching the Vikings. And I'm telling you what, I felt like a fish out of water with the passion and the absolute everybody on the edge of their seat. I swear when, when the Vikings scored, they could hear it in Minneapolis. I mean, it was out of control. I'm thinking what in the world, but that was, that was it. It's, you know, some of its purest forms. Like we get you either pure joy or you are pure hatred of the, you know, it's just like, I'm done with this team. Right. We lost. And it wasn't hating the team. It was just hate the fact that we lost. Um, what, what an amazing, uh, what an amazing thing to be a part of and to see and uh, to, to know that that was, uh, and maybe, maybe, maybe it can come back again, uh, be part of our culture again. Maybe, maybe it can Jeremy. And I was just going to say to Matt, if you're looking for a Gideon, he's over my shoulder here. There's, there's Gideon back there. I don't want to put my trust in men. That's for sure. I've, I've learned not to do that, but if there's one guy standing up to a lot of this chaos, it's, it's that guy. So I'm yeah. kind of hoping he's our, he's our next president. Yeah. Governor DeSantis is doing a great job for sure. Yeah. Great well, Hey, call. we're going to, we're going to, we're going to stop this discussion and we're going to roll right into our initials game. Buckle up. gentlemen well you know the rules we've got eight items on the docket i will announce the initials here in a second we've got six clues for each item and we got a tiebreaker as the ninth item if need be that will only be three clues uh and so the initials for tonight's game is r l r l r l All right, here we go. Item number one, clue number one. Headquartered in Orlando and opened in 1968. Clue number two, acquired by General Mills in 1970. Clue number three, over 700 locations worldwide. Clue number four, in 2016 was embroiled in a controversy for using less expensive Legastino. Clue number five, Originally billed as Harbor for Seafood Lovers. Ben. Go ahead, Benjamin. Red Lobster. That is correct. Okay. Uh, What was the term that you said was in a brilled controversy for not using? Le Gastino. It is a type of uh, lobster or uh, a shrimp of some sort. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They were skimping on it, apparently. It was a big deal. I can't believe General it. Mills owns Red Lobster. Wow. Yeah. Huh. That, Never, yeah, that is that is interesting. Okay. Well done, B. All right, Ben, on the board. 
Item number two, clue number one. Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year in 1997. Clue number two. Made 21 starts during his NFL career. Ah. Yeah, I'm. I was gonna. I was thinking with the football theme, I was gonna go Ray Lewis, but I don't think that's right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Brian. Okay, we've got another one entering the fray. Ryan, go ahead. Ryan Leaf. That is correct. Ryan Leaf. Second overall draft in the 1998 NFL draft there, next to, behind, or after, who was it? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Huh. Oh, wow. What a clown that guy turned out to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got Ethan. Or I'm sorry, Ethan. Poor Ethan. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I want to give it to Ethan anyways. Okay. we got one for Ryan now and one for Ben. All right, item number three, clue number one, St. Basil Cathedral. Clue number two, Catherine Palace. Clue number three, Mea Coveskea Metro Station. Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Rail lines. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Uh. Clue number four. The Hermitage Museum. Clue number five. The Kremlin. Clue number six, Red Square. Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Russian landmarks. That is correct. Good job, brother. I could not come up with the L. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Russian landmarks. All right. We've got Ryan now up ahead with two and Ben with one. We're now at clue number, I'm sorry, item number four, clue number one. Occurred in the city of Bethany. Clue number two. Matt. Go ahead, Matt. The raising of Lazarus. That's correct, Ryan. That's that is correct. You are you are right on. Wow, good one. Yes, nice. Wow. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Man, I had a I, that was a hard work. That was the one to get a lot of clues for. I'm ticked off that you got. <laughs> yeah, same. I do, Don. I, I I can identify. I hate it when people get my first clue because then I'm like, man, you can, I can see how clever I was with clues three and four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. so we got Matt on the board. We got Ryan with two and Ben with one. 
Yep. All right. Item number five. Clue number one. Launched in 2015, it was downloaded six million times by the end of its first month. First month. Clue number two has teamed up with franchises like Fast and Furious, Batman, and Back to the Future to let players live out their car fantasies. Clue number three, an average of 90.5 million people played this at some point last month. Clue number four, became an officially sponsored eSport in September of 2015. Last video game I played was like 97 Madden in the dorm. (laughs) Clue number five, a sportive combination of arcade and soccer. Oh man. Oh man, you guys are disappointing. Oh Ben 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 Ben. Oh man, it took so long. Rocket League. There it is. That oh, is correct. Goodness. That is correct. Dinkin. Rocket League? What what is that? Oh man. Matt, you've never played Rocket League? Oh boy. You No. You gotta oh this game is unbelievable. I started playing this on PC when it first came out. And I was like telling my buddy about it. And he thought I was crazy. But then the more I told him about it, he was like, oh, I got to get this. And the only way to play it was either through a PC or uh, they were going to release it on on Sony PlayStation. And so he was pining. He was trying to figure out how he's going to buy a PlayStation just to play this stupid game. And it finally came out for Xbox. But uh, they, they did. a. But man, this game, this game is so addictive. And I can't imagine if we would have had this game in college because there would have been some throwdowns, serious <laughs> throwdowns. It's like a five minute, five minute game. And you, and you, and you literally have these little cars that you can rock with little rocket boosters that you can do tricks with. And, and you get a big soccer ball and you're trying to hit it into the other person's goal. And you can play two on two, one on one, three on three. It's hilarious. It is awesome. Never heard of it. Yeah. I played it once with my nephews and they just crushed me and I just haven't, <laughs> I haven't played it again. <laughs> Wow. All right. I'm so surprised you don't know the codes for it, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. already just have slacking. I, I've never heard of the thing. I Don described it. It sounded sounded somewhat interesting, but yeah. I'm the only games I play are a couple of Wii games we have, which would be like Smash Brothers and Mario Kart. So I saw the sh- the show was coming off for Xbox soon or this mm-hmm. week, I think. Wow. Already got it dialed up. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, uh, we've got now Ben with two, Ryan with two, and Matt with one. Here we go. Item number seven, clue number one. Founded by two Jewish American brothers amidst the Great Depression. Clue number two, added this to its collection in 1940. 
Clue number three. A 1937 survey revealed that over 50% of teenage girls fought with their parents over this. Clue number four. The brand has over 82 shades of this, including After Hours, Endless Spice, and Vampire Love. Jeremy. Oh, I can't wait to hear what this is going to be. Go ahead, Jeremy. <laughs> Ralph Lauren. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh. Wow, I was... I was kind of thinking that too, Jeremy, like, uh, but it just didn't line up. I uh. Clue number five, color stay, super lustrous, ultra HD are among its collections. Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Real L'Oreal. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Ben. Wow. Go ahead, Ben. Red lipstick. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, oh so, so wait, wait so a Matt, sec. There's more clues, right? There's one more clue. This is too much pressure. All right, one more clue. It. Clue number five or six. The current brand ambassador for 2018 is Gal Gadot of Wonder Woman fame. Gal Gadot, boy, that was helpful. You should- you should get that now. <laughs> she's a gal, she's a gal pal, Matt. You should know her. Four, three, two. Uh, Revlon L'Oreal. I don't know. Oh, so close, Matt. So close. It was Revlon lipstick. Oh, <laughs> half seas. Do I get a half seas? <laughs> Revlon. You get, a, you get a little courtesy clap. Yeah, so so it's interesting. You're you're sometimes mixing a proper noun with a with a just a, a, a common noun. Because okay. I think I was trying to think like the the name of the company, but fair enough. Yeah, fair Revlon enough. is the name of the company. Yep. So if I would have just said Revlon, because I had thought about that earlier, but the, the L threw me off. Like I was like, oh man, I, another company joined up with them. But if I said Revlon, would that have been a no? That would have been a no, yeah. You would have to get in the, the L. Uh, okay. All right. All right. So we've got nobody there with uh So we're still at uh, Ryan with two, Ben with two, and mm. Matt with one. Dang it. And we are at item, uh, let's see. This is eight, right? I, yep. Item number eight. Born on March 17th, 1964 in Charlottesville, Virginia. Clue number two. KFC released a campaign in 2017 featuring this person as astronaut Colonel Sanders. Number three, went to high school, California, with Charlie Sheen. Clue number four, 
His breakthrough role came in 1983 when he and Emilio Estevez were cast in Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders. Ben. Matt. I heard Ben. Chime in first. Yeah, Rob Rob Lowe. That is correct. Ooh. Mm. All right. So we got Ben with three, Ryan with two, Matt with one, and we got one more item left, I believe. That was seven then, right? Yeah, that was seven. I'm sorry. Ben working us all. All right. One more item left. Here we go. Ryan with a chance to stay to force a tie break. Mm. Last item number eight. Clue number one. Born in the Bronx, New York in 1939. Clue number two has a net worth of 5.9 billion. Clue number three attended Baruch College, the city of, I'm sorry, the city University of New York and dropped out after two years. Clue number four, started in 1967 selling men's ties. Brian. Ralph Lauren. That would be correct. Wow. Forcing the tiebreak. Clutch. All right. So here we are at the tiebreak between Ben and Ryan. Are you two ready? Let's do it. Yep. This is a three clue tiebreak. Three clue tiebreak. Clue number one. Played three years for the Miami Hurricanes before being drafted. Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Ray Lewis. That is correct. Wow. Coming through. Wow. That was tough. I just went, when you ask movie questions, I just, I just feel helpless. And Ben seems to always get movie questions. I just, (laughs) my mind goes blank and I'm just thinking, man, Trying to put two initials together. I I have a hard time coming up with one initial. Richard, Robert, I don't know. (laughs) So that's definitely my Achilles heel. All right. Well, yeah. So are you a a tie connoisseur if you got Ralph Lauren? I mean, how would you know that name? Uh, Well, somebody mentioned that name earlier. Yeah. Was it just me? Because I gave you another extra hint. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I started thinking about that. And then, so when it came to a fashion name, that's the one that popped in. So when he said men's ties or whatever, yeah. me in. all right. Thank you for giving me yeah. a point. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a courtesy clap. <laughs> Thank you. I was kind of sitting on, I was sitting on Rush Limbaugh. And so I was going to kind of, kind of reach in, but I was like, man, I think he, I think he's older than the 1960, whatever um, thing, but yeah, he might I, make the cut. I, I stayed away from Rush Limbaugh knowing you guys would be thinking about it. So. I Sadly, I did. I, I don't think I thought about him down to the last clue, the, oh. the last one. The, the, I'm such a bozo. The only RL I, I thought of originally was Romeo Langford from Indiana <laughs> University. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he plays with the Celtics these days. Okay. <laughs> 
journeyman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, shall we move on to our next, uh, our next topic? Yes, please. All right. So we have calling your shot. Um, I'm looking forward to this because this is also baseball focused as was our first major topic that, that Jeremy addressed related to the all-star game getting moved out of Atlanta. So we have just started off the season. Uh, we are what, what now about uh, almost a month in maybe three or four weeks into the season and starting to get an idea what teams are looking like. We may have had some ideas heading into the season, who's going to be strong. Some of those teams aren't living up to expectations. Some are. Uh, so I thought we'd go around and make our predictions for who's going to win the 2021 World Series. And I'll just say right now, it's been great for me to see fans back in the stands. I've really enjoyed that. I know I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I've started watching a little bit of soccer highlights, but as noted earlier in the podcast, I am truly a baseball fan and I've enjoyed watching YouTube highlights of baseball games. Some of these rivalries, even this past weekend, uh, Tampa Bay, New York, San Diego, Los Angeles. Um, so that's been fun for me to see. So curious to see what you all are thinking. Uh, and just looking at the group of buddies here, uh, we all to some extent follow baseball. Uh, maybe Jeremy, you, you might be the one who does the least, I, I think, but um, it's, it's been good to see uh, Don really, um, start following baseball quite a bit. He mentioned his daughter that he he follows it with, or, or they used to before this year. Um, but let's just go around and, and make our predictions. Uh, I think next time we do calling your shot, I'm going to try to do an update on where our predictions have been since we last got an idea how well our prediction skills have been. So we'll try to do that next time. So I'll just start uh, on my screen. Ben, uh, you're you're in my first box. So uh, who do you got this year to win it all? Oh, that's good. I was thought I was going to be one of the last ones and have to go with one of my secondary picks. So I didn't double up, but this, this I don't know, through the first couple of weeks, this one looks somewhat easy. I'm taking the Dodgers. They, uh, I mean, one of the other teams that's kind of been thought about as the Padres and they've kind of been thumping the Padres. So it, it's hard to, I know Mr. Twins down there gave me the, the thumbs down, but uh, <laughs> I'll take the LA easy Dodgers, pick. Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Hot out of the gate and about to get smacked at the end. <laughs> ben, correct correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you and I pick the Dodgers last year too? I, or was that Don? Who who picked the Dodgers with me? Can't remember. Don't you have the sheet of integrity, Jeremy? I don't re- I don't I don't have it in front of me, but I I know I picked the uh, I'm pretty sure I picked the like o- Oakland Athletics or yeah, something like that. Sounds that right. It's ridiculous. That sounds right. Because I don't follow it, so I don't I don't really know. Yeah. So I just threw out a well, name. Since you uh, since you're talking, I've got you next, Jeremy. How about you? Who who do you got winning? Yeah, well, ironically, I have read some um, just some some articles about some of the baseball teams, and I have really really tried to uh, get into it a little bit more and just follow some and just read because I mean I find that if you just read a little bit, it's it you know connects you and you so you kind of look at that. Um, I don't think the twins are going to do it. I know the brewers aren't going to do it. So those, those two um, have placed aside. And for me, um, I mean, the Dodgers look great, but I'm, since Ben picked them, I'm going to go with the white Sox. We'll just go white Sox. I think that's a solid pick just from reading and seeing what other people say and really kind of looking at some of their, their athletes um, and pitching staff. um, They seem like they've got a solid, solid uh, crew there. So 
That's that's a respectable pick. They do have some nice young talent. That's that's for sure. Okay, uh, kind of the unexpected, but it's possible. Yeah, if, if that young talent comes together, I could see that. All right, Matt. Let's see. I'm going to guess because of the uh, shirt you've got on and your uh, propensity to go with Minnesota teams for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> Oh, oh, you're just going to show us your, your, uh, yeah, logo. So, so for those of you just listen to audio only, I'm, I'm wearing twins gear. And so I kind of zoomed in on that, uh, on the video, which is a plug to go to our YouTube channel or Facebook and catch the video. It's, uh, another level of fun. Um, but yeah, had they only listened to our podcast, they would understand, they would understood that double masking is important. So, uh, they probably would not have gotten into the COVID challenges that, they, that they've had. Um, I do think Falvey and Levine will get some bullpen help and get we'll get that squared away um i i was confident going in with the twins uh this year uh didn't start off after week one the way i'd hoped um but the way they've lost they you know most of the games have been either in extra innings or in the ninth they, they're in every game uh once i get everybody healthy donaldson's firing um you know putting a lot of a lot of heat on the ball um i think i think we're in good shape this is uh, the year in minnesota Fair enough. So do you think uh, Donaldson and Buxton can actually stay healthy? That's, that's, that's the big wild card. If they stay healthy, we'll be tough to beat for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a nice lineup for sure. I, I hope you're right. Yeah. Right. This is our year. If we don't do it this year, I don't think, I mean, we we've got to do it. We just got to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice having some uh, starting pitchers that will give us some quality starts. Yeah. That's, that's, that's nice. Okay. All right, before so, I, that sounds like the broken record of the Brewers. Like if it's not this year, then, <laughs> but we say that every year. So is that the same as the twins? I mean, no, I, I wouldn't have said it probably a couple of years ago. Okay. Yes. Last year I said it just because I was so excited to see baseball and the twins are my team, but I, mean, I think we have a legitimate shot. I think we've got, I think the, the arms in the bullpen for whatever reason, I don't know what they're doing. Um, it's, it's been, it's been frustrating to watch, but, you know, offensively, we're there. Starting pitching, we're there. Bullpen comes together. We'll be tough to beat. So fill me in just a little bit. When's the last time the Twins uh, won the, the pennant of the championship, their division? Uh, Jeremy, uh, last the, year. Uh, the Minnesota Twins have lost 17 year? consecutive playoff games. Uh, I think the last <laughs> win was in 2004. So mm-hmm. Matt's really going to count on them to win at least 17 games in the postseason this year. Yep, that's correct. So remember, remember, 91 was the worst to first, right? 1990, they were the worst. They went to first. They played against Atlanta. Like streaks are meant to be broken, and this is going to be broken in a profound way uh, come this postseason. So, yeah, buckle up, gentlemen. Like Just like gout, we're going to break that streak. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not letting any of you jokers on the bandwagon. So (laughs) I'm riding it firm to the end. Oh, love it. Don't, don't try hopping on come September. Classic. Okay. What did you what you think of William Castadillo's uh, oh, pitching performance? Oh, it was great. <laughs> seven seven pitches, right? Yep, seven pitches. Yeah, two of them were like laser shots though. <laughs> he threw a 52 mile per hour fastball. <laughs> <laughs> What's hilarious? Well, what was the forty-six mile an hour pitch? Oh, the change, the changeup. Oh yeah. <laughs> the sad thing is that was our best bullpen performance of the year. That's what's it so was. scary, right? It was like, the I cleanest was so... bullpen. Yeah, that's why any sane person would not pick them. I mean, that is your case in point right there. Uh, it's early yet, gentlemen. We're gonna get all this stuff worked out. Don't worry about it. Baldelli well, is genius. I like Dalai Lama. 
I like Buxton, man. Buxton, I saw <laughs> Buxton play at, at down a pre, uh, spring oh. training, and I was like, I told Lane, I was like, if this guy stays healthy, that guy's the MVP. I mean, he was just right. unbelievable. Yeah. Just taking balls to right and left field on lasers and just, you know, running like a gazelle around those bases. It was just fantastic to watch. I was like, man, if that guy just stays healthy. Hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. I'll tell you what. I'm tired of Rocco. I'm getting sick and tired of his games. I don't know what he's doing. I'm getting like I don't know if I if I like him anymore. I'm like I'm thinking we got to get rid of this guy because I don't. I think he's a big hindrance to us winning a. Well, a wait a minute. What are you What are you saying? Is it Is it related to I just, pitching decisions of, in the middle of the game? Some of his decisions at the end of the game, like his uh, his bullpen work. Um, he put Buxton. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old school. I don't know. I mean, I was rookie of the year. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's true. true. That's a true story. Oh, oh yes. Speaking <laughs> of a homer, good grief. Pretty sure that pretty sure that trophy's hanging in the hallway. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me something. Is how how do you put Buxton behind Cruz in batting? He he put you know Cruz number Cruz at three and Buxton at four. Is it is that is that like a a no no? It it, it was at one point I thought. (laughs) He's moved he's moved guys around well yeah since he's been here more than I've ever seen other managers do. But Buxton's hot. I mean he's. Ripping well, every yeah. other shot over the fence. Well, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I don't see why you put Buxton behind Cruz, one of the slowest guys on the team. I mean, he well, he robbed yeah. us of a run because of that move in one of our previous games. I mean, he he Buxton put a put a, put one on a rope out to the right field wall, and he was held to a single because Cruz was in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a triple right there. That sounds like me running the bases. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I got gout. I don't know, man. I just, I'm just not a fan of Rocco right now, and I think he's, uh, I think he's, he's a hindrance more than he's uh, helping right now. Is, is is talk radio blasting him up there? I haven't, I, I, I can't listen to talk radio, so I don't know. The yeah. sports channels are 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 just as political as anybody else. Yeah, I, I mean, to answer your question, I don't know. Maybe Ben can chime in too. Ben and I used to coach together back in the good old days, but. Uh, I, I think maybe because Cruz has a better chance of making contact, he's been a higher average hitter, so you get him more at bats in a game. Would that would that be the logic to bat him? Where you typically bat your best hitter in the number three slot, and arguably he he was our best hitter last year, right, Cruz? Right, right. But why do you put so much speed behind him? I mean, I don't. I mean, put put Buxton at two or one. Instead of four, right, right. Who who is leadoff? Arise or Luis? Yeah, yep. yeah. I would I, I would put Buxton leadoff and Arise second, Cruz third. If it were me, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just it was really irking me when I was watching that. And... Well, Don, uh, I know you're irk now, but you're gonna have to give us a pick for. Uh... <laughs> The World hey, Series title. Don, do you have a live stream of you watching the game? Because I think I would watch that. <laughs> I'm telling you, my daughter's worse. We can't watch baseball with her. Okay, my Jen, Jen will not be in the same room. Throw a live stream on that. I, I want to watch you guys. That sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, Elena can't stand Pineda and because uh, he because of the steroid thing, she was so ticked off at him for doing that two years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because the first game we went to on spring training, he was pitching she was just she was almost she was wanted to turn around and walk out. I was like we came all the way down here you're sitting right special (laughs) (laughs) so 
But uh, yeah, I think uh, for our our World Series pick, I'm going to go with the Padres. I like the Padres. I think, uh, man, as much as I like the Dodgers, and I think Ben's right on, they are going to be tough to beat with that pitching lineup. Uh, I like I like what's going on in in San Diego, and I hope they can they can uh, put together a good season. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Did I mentioned this earlier? But did you any of you guys watch any of the series highlights of of the Padres and Dodgers? It it felt like a playoff atmosphere yeah, already. Yeah, those those fun. those two teams know it. I mean, they're they're good and they know it, and they're close to each other. It's going to be a fun year out there yeah. in Southern California, I think. I'm curious, were all the stadiums full or did they have like partial capacities or what was going on out there? I think 33% in California, which was surprising because they've been super conservative on their, their stuff, but sounds about right. Yeah. And then, and then I think it was, what was it Texas that allowed just a full, just straight up. Yeah. Did you guys see any pictures of Rangers home games this year so far? I mean, it's it's no. like 2019. It's just totally packed. Seriously, just yeah. packed to the gills with people. It it like made me uncomfortable just just looking at the pictures. Oh no! <laughs> Fill up the stadiums. Let's go. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm with Ben. I mean, it, open I, her up. I, I, I was mixed emotion. I'm like, oh, this is just like good old days. And then, yeah, man, we're gonna have a super spreader going on here. So. Oh my goodness! It was it, it was gonna happen. Mixed emotions, man. Mixed emotions. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I'll close they, it up. They all here. got their boosters when they walked in. They're fine. Well, okay. They're fine. They're fine. Good. Well, did you see the twins? Yeah, the twins had COVID going through, right? And they, yeah. they got there, but they got their shots last week, didn't they? Well, it takes some time. It to takes build some that time. Yeah. Plus, they're going to use this time off to regroup and refocus and get some strategy working, and yep. they'll then. I mean, it's like right. just a rocket to the top. Yeah. They got to. They got to ice down. Uh, Tuna's are uh, the turtle's arm. <laughs> That's it. Well, Donna, I don't think that everybody took the the vaccine. I, I heard some discussion that it was not, oh, wow. you know, there there are people that just didn't take it. So, because I think there's certain things, if you hit a certain number of players that get vaccinated, there's like less restrictions in the clubhouse via MLB. And the Twins had not yet gotten to that vaccination point yet. So, there's some guys that have chosen not to do it. So, hmm. yep interesting times okay well i'm going to uh share my prediction with you all and it was fun kind of digging into some of this stuff i i don't usually dig into my prediction as much as i did with this one but since it's baseball season i thought i would did you guys know and and by the way i'll just say on the front end i am going to agree with ben and i'm going to say the dodgers will win it all and i looked at the the salaries between the the payrolls between the dodgers and the twins and the twins have half the payroll the Dodgers do. So the Dodgers are sitting at 248 million. The Twins are at 124 million. Isn't that remarkable? Hmm. So the 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 part of me that loves the underdog w- would like Matt to be right and because I am a Twins fan now since my Expos are no longer around. But um yeah, I'm going to go with the Dodgers. So I think I think money is going to help help them win it all. I do want to give a special shout out to the Braves and the Padres. I think they're going to be tough because they've got two of the best young players. If you guys have not seen Fernando Tatis Jr. or Ronald Acuna, wow. You talk about Buxton being special. These guys, these guys are unbelievable. So I, I think either one of those guys staying healthy will be the MVP in the National League. And I'm going to say – I'm choosing the Dodgers because you all remember back in the, I think it was the early 90s, mid-90s, the Astros had the Killer Bees. They had Biggio, Bagwell, was it Berkman maybe? Um, yeah, they had they had a group called the Killer Bees. Well, the Dodgers have two sets of Killer Bees. They've got 
two pitchers who could be the Cy Young winner, Walker Bueller, Walker Bueller and Trevor Bauer. And then they've got uh, Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger, who are odds-on favorites for the MVP. I mean, when you've got two of the top three in those positions, and I kind of did this when I picked Gonzaga, of course, that didn't work out as well. Um, I just kind of looked at who are the top players in the country. I, I'm doing that with the Dodgers, too, and they're, they're the defending champs, so I'm going I'm to stick with them. So, all right, I will uh, take notes, Jeremy. You got the sheet of integrity, so uh, we'll we'll see who who can get this one right. I'll turn it over to uh, Ben now for feel good story. Thanks, Ryan. Feel good story. Uh, I think the moral of this story you're going to hear is that it is a redeeming quality about sitting and watching television. Okay, so that's where I'm going to start with this story. Are you ready? Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a um, family driving down the road, uh, going to get a haircut, drove through McDonald's, and uh, son and and young daughter, like two year old daughter, in the back seat. Uh, daughter starts choking on a chicken nugget while they're driving. So dad can't. I mean, he can't immediately address it because he's driving. The son starts. Um, doing CPR on the daughter and he knew how to do it because of a show on Nickelodeon that they, he had watched where they had taught him how to do CPR. It's a, a show. It's a, it's a prank show on Nickelodeon called the substitute. And John Cena was on there as a substitute teacher and he was showing the class how to do CPR. So Jackson Dempsey is the eight-year-old's name. He performed CPR on his on his little sister, um, saved her life, kept her kept everything going till her dad was able to pull over and and help. But by the time the dad got pulled over, um, the chicken nugget had been cleared and the little girl was was breathing again. Saved her life, um, all because of a Nickelodeon TV show. So. <laughs> Well, wow. was now was this? You said CPR. Was it the Heimlich maneuver? Or how you do CPR only if you after you clear an obstructed airway? Right. So I think it had got it had been lodged long enough that he. I, now the article doesn't have every last detail in it, but I think he he had to do a little bit of both because I think the nugget was was an obst- obstructing the airway, but it was obstructing long enough that it he had to clear the airway. And then, so maybe it was the Heimlich and did that. But um, anyway, he performed the life-saving measure required for his daughter to, or his sister to start breathing again and, uh, and saved her life. So, yeah. Uh, what a, yeah, what a no kid. doubt. No doubt. He gets a, uh, gets an I was hoping Ben, that I was kind of a little, a little disappointed because I was hoping you were going to say this other one. I don't know if you saw this. And I'm going to throw this in as a spur of the moment feel good story of the week. But did you guys see the Bobcat guy? This viral uh, video on YouTube, uh, YouTube it right now. You can go to the Bob, just YouTube Bobcat guy. This is hilarious. So this guy and his family, a guy, his wife, and I think it's one of his kids are going out into the car. He's walking out there with his coffee. Should the mom's walking out there like from their house, from their house. He's got, there's, it's like a video camera of somebody like a from from outside right above their garage. And he walks out. He says, good morning to a jogger on, on the, on that passes by. He's getting it. All of a sudden you hear this. And this, and the lady is going crazy. She's like, ah, and this guy runs over and he grabs this 
this bobcat that just was like hiding underneath the car or something like, like that. He's got this bobcat right up above. He's like, it's a bobcat. And he just chucks the thing like five feet across the lawn and he runs back. And I think he was packing a, a, a gun, doesn't he? He's like, I'm going to shoot the bobcat. I'm going to shoot the bobcat. He's like, oh, oh man, it was, he didn't shoot the bobcat, but oh man, it was hilarious. I was like, this guy is a, this guy is going to be famous for that. It was so funny. Um, wow. Don, I, I did see that. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, the YouTube guy, John boy. I, I, uh, I, I don't want to recommend it because he's, he's kind of, he gets some bad language quite often, unfortunately, but he, did you see the breakdown he did? Don? No, I got to see that. So, so John boy did a breakdown of the situation and he said he, he ended up shooting the Bobcat. The guy did shoot it. And the Bobcat that he had, like you said, right there had rabies. Oh my. <laughs> So yeah, it was, it was remarkable. So I I showed that to Aaron earlier today and it was, yeah. I mean, you guys have to see it because like Don said, he he comes out all chipper, like, Hey neighbor, puts his coffee down, getting ready to get, and all of a sudden his wife is just getting attacked and he tears around the other side of the car and yeah, it takes like two seconds and he shows up back on his side with a bobcat. So how does he get a hold of a bobcat that quickly? And he's, he's got like that. Like a, and then like he just a like, boom, it's a bobcat. And he tosses it. And then the thing just tears back underneath the car. And yeah, he had a gun in hand like he that. Back in. Yeah, it was great. It was so I was where did in Texas. Where did this happen? Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. We, he, he didn't oh, say, but fantastic. but the John Boy guy on YouTube was like, oh, the, I, I want to meet. I love this guy. Whoever this, this guy is. going to be on every him. late night television show <laughs> Yeah, he said, if this guy's your dad, you are fortunate. (laughs) So, Ryan, let me ask you a question. Would you go and do that? Would you grab a bobcat? If it were attacking Aaron? Yeah. I mean, it's attacking a kid. One of your kids, would you just go face to face it and just dial it in? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, Jen, sit still, sit still. (laughs) 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 Oh, my. <laughs> oh dear lord <laughs> oh, i love it oh no oh no oh man <laughs> wwdd what would don do <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh. oh boy wow that was a that was a wonderful feel-good stories of the week for sure yeah. so <laughs> All righty. Uh, we're going to move into fix your eyes. So we're coming in for a landing on sanctification. Uh, tonight's topic is going to be the second to the last of the series. Uh, so we're going to chat a little bit about uh, doubting your salvation. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's an important topic to talk about in, in the process of sanctification. Uh, sometimes there's doubts that come up. I think we sing with gusto, the beloved hymn, blessed assurance, and rightly we should, but not every moment in the Christian's journey is, it feels like that. So I'm going to pose two Two questions to the group. First, if a professed believer, someone who you believe to, 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 to know Christ, comes to you and says, I don't know if I'm truly saved, how do you counsel them? And then if you want to share this, have you ever doubted your salvation and and, and how did you deal with that? So uh, we'll go in this order, Don, Jeremy, uh, Ben, and Ryan, um, and uh, we'll just uh, kind of work through those things and just kind of share your thoughts on, on uh, maybe doubting your salvation. So Don, why don't you start us off? Well, eternal security was a hot topic uh, growing up in 
in uh, high school. And uh, you think, why, why would you say that Don? Well, we had a lot of friends who were uh, Lutherans. And so we would always have those theological debates between eternal security or losing your salvation. One saved, always saved all that, all that we, we would just go back and forth on. And um, I think there's a, a book by Stanley who has a good eternal security book that uh, I've read a couple of times. It's really good. I recommend, but um, um, you know, if someone came to me, uh, questioning their salvation, I would want to make sure they have a good understanding of grace because grace and eternal security, I think, are inseparably linked. And um, I think if you have a weak, uh, a weak grasp of grace, I think you're going to, uh, it's going to lead to, to, some, uh, to some insecurity about your salvation. But if you have a strong one, I think that uh, that goes in to um, having a good understanding of, of God's grace. I mean, everything, you, you, grace gives us everything for free. I mean, it's hard to grasp that. It, grace, it's not earned. You, you don't, you're not, don't work for it. You can't, it can't be lost or destroyed. Grace covers all our sins. And Jesus Christ died for our sins. And that includes the ones in the past, the ones in the present and the ones in the future. And, um, and as much as grace is, so, I mean, I've, I think I've harped on this before in previous uh, uh, episodes, but man, if we we need to have a good understanding of grace in order to have that security uh, of having salvation. And and if to answer your question about if I ever doubted my salvation, no, I have not, because um, I think it was because of those t- conversations we had growing up um, that really solidified my 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 understanding of eternal security and also my weak comprehension of grace at the time I mean but uh, still at this point I mean it's I'm still understanding and grasping grace is, is still something I'm I'm working on and and thankful for so that's great yeah you've you've certainly been very consistent in in the importance of grace and I certainly appreciate uh, uh, that angle uh, that you've brought to this topic that's uh, great uh, Jeremy yeah I, I'm similar to Don in the fact that I I don't think I've really ever doubted that I got saved because I clearly remember uh, having that conversation with God. I clearly remember giving my life to him and inviting him in and asking forgiveness for, for my sin and recognizing uh, my sin as, as a, a failure before him and needing that grace. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember exactly all the words to my prayer, but I, I remember that moment feeling the change and, and knowing that my life was marked and it was different. I guess the thing that I struggled with, and it's gone in waves, and maybe maybe um, in college and after college and high school, I mean, there's just been waves, and and I, the thing that I struggle with most is isn't isn't doubting, but rather it's it's losing my end of the bargain or forgetting my end of the bargain with my relationship with Christ and the fact that uh, I choose not to be discipled. Uh, and when I choose not to be discipled, I, I essentially begin the gap and it, it just begins to move and it begins to widen and, and, and get larger. And I guess you could come back to, you know, the question, was I really saved or am I really saved? I think John chapter 10, the end says, you know, the, the end of that or near the end of that chapter um, that, you know, once we're in his hand, that that cannot be removed. Um, so. I guess, I guess the questions I, I ask myself 
is what's hindering my relationship with Christ. And usually it's me. And so when I confess that and I work um, to correct that scenario, I find that his salvation has been there all along. It's, it's my departure from that. And I think it can be. And I think uh, Satan can use that as the lie that we believe that I don't think I am saved. And I've counseled people in my office that have said, Hey, look, I, you know, I don't think I'm saved. And what I, what I ask them is, um, do you, you know, the, the gospel, do you believe that Jesus died, that he rose again, that he uh, is living today, that he did that for your sins, that, that he atoned for your, your sins specifically? Have you trusted in that? Are you trusting in that? Are you following through with the discipleship and the sanctification that he has called you to? And if you, you made that choice and the Holy Spirit is in you, that's great. The second follow-up question is one that I ask myself and I, I transparently tell them, am I following through? Am I, am I, the one that's on that track. Um, so, you know, doubting your salvation can happen. I think Satan uses that, uses that to his full advantage um, to really make you question. Um, and then, you know, if, if you have the testimony of my wife, she got saved like three times, maybe four, uh, where she prayed that many times because she literally, you know, well, what if I'm not? What if I'm not? What if I'm not? My kids and some of them have have maybe uh, had those questions too. But I come back to the truth that Christ died for me. He died for my sin. I've accepted that. I am his and uh, I choose to walk by that. And if I if I fall away from that, um, that's that's my doing. And uh, I, uh, I have to constantly remind myself to to want to be discipled by him. And as I do that, I find myself not questioning anymore, am I saved, but really questioning the fact that uh, should I make this choice over this choice? Because really righteousness says uh, this is the one I need to make. So anyway, maybe some perspective there. Yeah, no, definitely some good angles there. Uh, definitely. We got some responsibility there too. Cool. Ben. Yeah. So I would say, I, I know there was a time definitely as a teenager in high school that I um, had some really serious doubts. I, rem- I actually remember the specific moment. Um, and I think maybe even talked about this when I shared my testimony that um, was at a weekend youth group retreat and they showed the um, rapture time end time movies with the, you know, DC talk. I wish we'd all been ready. And I mean, Uh-oh. it did everything <laughs> it was supposed to right? It kind of chewed me up and spit me out afterwards. Like, uh, and, you know, I think for me, part of that was due to the fact that my original um, time when I, at least my mom, you know, says that I prayed the, prayed the prayer, um, I was really young and I, I did just didn't remember it, but I, I do specifically, like I mentioned in my testimony, I do remember the time when I was eight. And when I did that and I was out in the driveway and I, re, I just, I remember the night, I remember the, the circumstances. And so, um, you know, as Jeremy alluded to that verses in, um, John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch me out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. You know, those mm-hmm. ver- that, that verse, uh, as Jeremy alluded to it as well, those verses, I mean, that just, it's a black and white right there, straight from Jesus's mouth that, that that's it. When you genuinely make that commitment and make that confession of faith and, and hold to those, that belief that, Jesus paid it all. And all we have to do is accept it. 
we're we're locked in. I mean, our our eternal destiny is is secure. And I, I remember speaking with um, my youth pastor at the time when I was in high school, and and that was the main message. There was like, there's some days where you probably don't feel saved. I think we all maybe at least for me, have enough emotional roller coaster in my life that there's some days, not as much now, maybe as I've matured a little bit, but especially younger where I'm like, man, I'm, I'm too messed up or I'm making too many mistakes or I'm, you know, this or that, any number of reasons. And you can feel like, how could this all be true? But it is, we need to go back in that security of, of the Bible and of what Jesus did for us. And it's not about us and our emotions. It's about the, the true, the eternal universal, never changing truth of the Bible and what Jesus did for us. And when I keep my perspective as this segment is called fixing my eyes where they're supposed to be, Mm. um, that, helps me and I know it helped me when I was a younger person especially when I do remember having those um, times as a high, as a high schooler with some doubts yeah no that's that's great appreciate you sharing there Ben Ryan how about you I will answer the question about doubting my own salvation first quickly I can totally empathize with what Ben said um, as I shared in my testimony, I trusted Christ when I was five. And then as you go through life and you realize that you have struggles and you look back and say, was that legitimate? I mean, did I really, did I know what I was doing as a five-year-old? Hmm. Uh, so I, I totally get that. Yeah. I've been talking about going to a week of camp and you're hearing all this hard preaching and, you know, dedicating <laughs> your life to the Lord, this level of holy living that I'm not living up to. Yeah. It was easy to come away from some of these camps and just say, man, I, I don't know. Am I, am, am I saved? Uh, so yeah, I, I, I have had those doubts, especially those, those same years that Ben described, I would say those teenage years. Um, <clears throat> But I, I guess I'll spend most of my talk here uh, addressing the other question. If if somebody were to come to me and say, I'm struggling with my salvation, how would I counsel them? And it's tough because, right, only, only the person um, should know. Uh, obviously, if they're questioning, they're, they're, there's some uncertainty there, and then God knows. Uh, but I do, I do think Scripture allows us some some clues in terms of understanding, uh, identifying believers. So I, I think one of the things I would ask is, you know, what are you trusting in? Who are you trusting in right now uh, to be saved? I think that's that's the foundational question. Um, I, I would say, do you hate sin? Um, do, do you despise sin? Do you, do you feel shackled by sin? So I, I try to try to ask them that question. I would ask if they can identify fruit growth in their life, uh, traits of the Holy Spirit being manifested in their lives. And then I'd probably ask them some question about association. Who do you prefer being around? Are you more comfortable with the world or do you enjoy being around fellow believers? And I think all these questions have root in different portions of, of scripture in the New Testament as, as marks of a true believer. So that's that's how I would go about it. Um, before I, I stop talking here, I, I want to share with you guys, there's a website. I don't know if any of you have ever utilized. Uh, when I went to church in Kansas City, I became aware of this website. And maybe for our listeners, if they've never uh, come across it. It's a good one to look at if you ever have questions about these sorts of things. It's called gotquestions.org. Uh, so I would encourage you to check that out. It'll answer a whole bunch of questions about um, matters pertaining to faith. It doesn't have faith in its title, but it's, if you can remember, gotquestions.org, it's produced by really quality people um, that have 
quality theologians answering their questions. So it's it's a great great resource. I do want to just share um, just a snippet from that 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 for me has been uh, as I think about the verses. Of course, the John ten was a passage that came to mind. Um, Ephesians four thirty talking about the Holy Spirit sealing us until the day of redemption. I think the key to remember is this um, that Jude twenty four says, and I. I taking this right from got questions to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and great joy. And it is God's power uh, that is able to keep the believer from falling. Uh, so it is up to him, not yeah. us to present us before his glorious presence. So our eternal security is the result of God keeping us, not us maintaining our own salvation. And, is, and isn't that right? We look back and we can often see, at least for myself, where I fall, where I fail. And if I do that, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to merit salvation. But Christ, as Jeremy said, is the one who accomplished it for us. And uh, he's the one who's going to hold us in his hand and present us faultless uh, that day. And so I'm, I'm thankful that he's done done that for me, will do that for me. And um, it takes a load off my chest. <laughs> and I, I, I need to be responsible for working out my salvation with fear and trembling. And and that's my job. Not, not that works will save me, but I need to realize the price that Christ paid. And that should produce within me a reverential awe for what has been done and how I should live my life in the, in the light of God. Hmm. Yeah. Some great thoughts there. Uh, if I was going to take a look at question number one, if somebody came to me and they were doubting their salvation, uh, you know, think I may have talked about this during salvation, but you know, what do you, I, I ask a lot of questions. I don't think that's a short conversation because uh, life is complex and emotions are deep and, and, and those types of things. But um, what do you believe right now? you know, where are you at right now? Um, and I think you guys have all kind of alluded to that and just reminding it's not necessarily an event, but you know, who is the object of your faith? I remember, uh, pastor Ormiston at family Baptist church always had a saying, he said, he said, stop focusing on the sin and focus on the savior. And I think, and we get those things crossed up. If we're focusing on the sin, whether it's, you know, a trial or a sin or, you know, more on the horizontal plane, we get our eyes off the savior. It's easy to see. I think Peter uh, demonstrated that pretty clearly when he walked out in the, he walked out in the, on the water, the stormy water, and he's out there walking and, and everything's going well until he takes his eyes off Jesus and he, he sinks. I think that's a, that's a very uh, appropriate um, example and object lesson for us. Um, and I think uh, as answering question number two, yeah, I've, I've doubted my salvation. I, similar to Ben in high school, I remember going to our, our youth pastor, and and uh, I remember one thing you know, he kind of said that kind of stuck out to me. He said, the fact that you're questioning your salvation is a good indication. Now, he didn't give me confirmation because he said, hey, ultimately, it's between you and God. But the fact that you're wrestling with that is a good thing. He just encouraged me to keep keep seeking, um, uh, keep plugging in. Uh, to, to God's word and, and keep uh, pursuing there. Uh, I think also, and this links back a little bit to the second Peter passage too. Um, like whenever I choose to live in sin, I either, I choose to forget that I've been saved from my old sins. And I think that's, that's, you know, we're not pursuing diligence, truth, righteousness, um, all those, all that great list in second Peter one, we, we can become short-sighted to blindness. And so I think it is a challenge to us to make sure that we're walking circumspectly uh, in this world um, and making sure that uh, we're recognizing this world is not our home as well. And so keeping our eyes on Jesus. 
I think this has been a very resource rich, uh, fix your eyes. And I want to close with another resource. Um, most of you, uh, have, have probably read John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And if not, if, if there's people that are listening to this and have not, I certainly encourage you to do that. Uh, but in Pilgrim's Progress, we find Christian, uh, the, the main character's name is Christian, uh, and his companion, Hopeful, they're nearing the end of their journey. And uh, as they're nearing the end of their journey, they're given a choice to follow the river or take, and it looks like a little bit more rocky way, and they take a, a path that seems to be easier, and they say, ah, we can keep the river in sight. Um, unfortunately, that small decision uh, finds them captive in Doubting Castle, and they're kept there by the giant despair. Four days of terror and beatings and doubt uh, leads Christian to contemplate suicide as a way out. So just, I mean, being real and raw, I mean, it, doubting your salvation and sometimes overwhelmed with the challenges of the world can lead us to think about suicide. And, and so even John Bunyan dealt with that uh, way back when in his book, uh, but his companion hopeful, which I think you guys talked about the importance of having that discipleship, that uh, other people that can hold us up, he encourages him to persevere and they begin to pray. And near dawn on the fourth day, Christian awakens to truth. And he exclaims and says this, he says, what a fool am I thus to be, or uh, thus to lie in a stinking dungeon when I may as well walk at liberty. I have a key in my bosom called promise that will, I am persuaded, open any lock in Doubting Castle. And it's just a great, it's a great example how we can get twisted up if, if our eyes are not where they need to be. And I think that links back and we'll close with this second Peter one, three through four, his divine power has given us everything we need uh, for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue by which he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, we may be made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. How beautiful are the promises of God? How deep is the grace of God? Um, so if, if we're doubting, if we're struggling, man, look up, reach up, reach out to other people that can get your eyes uh, fixed on Christ. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a great thing. Um, it's a great thing to be trusting Jesus. All right. That's a wrap on episode 30 on this, the 18th day of April, year of our Lord, 2021. This was Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at Six in the Mix Pod. Join us on our journey.